will, uh, to uh, turn with me uh, to the book of Joel, chapter number 2. Joel, chapter number 2, and we're going to look at verses 28 and 29. And uh, as you're turning there, if you would stand with us for the reading of God's Word tonight. Last Wednesday, we had Kids Crusade. We were wrapping up our last night. I didn't get a chance to share Sunday, but we had a great three nights of crusade. The Torbert family did an outstanding job. Uh, Each night, we had such a good turnout of children and adults as well. And uh, God uh, helping these young children in the altars. There was a lot of fun, a lot of things that were accomplished, and we thank God for that. As a matter of fact, we are believing, and we've been able to uh, make some contact, and we're going to be further uh, building on that contact with uh, some of the children right here uh, out of the community in our backyard, and, uh, and them getting to come be a part of our children's church and even our Wednesday night Kids Connect classes, and we just ask you to be praying with us about that as well. As uh, we look to be able to minister and uh, help uh, these children and to introduce them to Christ and, and uh, give them an opportunity as well to build upon uh, those experiences. Some of those experiences that happened right here here in Crusade. Uh, but uh, we have been preaching here out of our sermon series on biblical foundations. And Wednesday before last we had began... As uh, we are going into the, uh, the teaching here on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And uh, we had started on the promise of the Spirit. And I encourage you uh, that if you did not get to, um, get to be in that service or uh, hear that message, I would encourage you to do so, to go back. It's listed on the church's uh, podcast. You can find that on iTunes or other digital platforms where you uh, might download uh, your music or things of that nature. You can find that there. And then also on Facebook, our Facebook page, you can go back and uh, watch that live stream service. But I would encourage you to hear that first message uh, on uh, the promise and we're going to pick up here uh, on some of this uh, on the promise of the spirit and uh, we're going to look at a few more things here and uh, as we've been saying we're going to be looking at uh, the promise of the spirit the person of the spirit and the purpose of the spirit and the power Amen. Of the Spirit. We're going to be looking at this and how this relates to us. Amen. As believers and walking in a Spirit-filled life. Amen. How many of you know the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit? Amen. To walk in the Spirit. And, uh, and that's what we want to do. To be full of the Holy Ghost. Joel chapter 2. Starting at verse number 28, if you're there with me, would you say amen? We took this text uh, two Wednesday nights ago, going to read it again. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And what we have been focusing on here in this particular text and why we have, uh, we have uh, titled this uh, these uh, last couple of messages here on the promise of the Spirit is because we find that that is exactly what God is speaking and saying to His people here in His Word. And you might say, well, Brother Jacob, I didn't see the word promise anywhere. But how many of you know that when God says or when He uses the phrase, I will, This is what I will do. He is speaking, and when God speaks, it's a promise. It's going to be fulfilled. And uh, that's what we are looking at tonight. Amen. I will, that promise. He said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And so tonight, we're going to look here at this. And can we pray one more time? Ask the Lord to help us. Open our ears, our hearts. Amen. And uh, just anoint his word. Father, we thank you again for each and every one here. I pray your anointing upon every life, every heart. Lord, these ears that are here tonight, let us be open as we hear your word. And Lord, I pray let our hearts be receptive to your word. And Lord, let it be planted planted in the fertile ground of our souls tonight. I pray, Lord, you would anoint us. Lord, anoint my mind and lips to preach. And I pray you to help us, Lord, as we take a look at the precious word of God. Teach us and show us. Lord, I pray, let there be a hunger that is stirred. and Lord, an intentionality among your people, Lord, that we desire. And Lord, that we, that we commit ourselves oh, to walk in and after the Spirit. And Father, we thank you for it. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. If I may, just here for a quick moment, I would like to start with a testimony, if I can. Some may have seen our post uh, uh, on Facebook last night, but I just got uh, all day long and in thoughts and prayer and planning and preparation for this message. I've just been and rejoicing in my spirit and, and a smile on my face and my heart so full as uh, last night uh, Ashlyn, she uh, Monday night and last night uh, they were uh, having revival over at Faith Assembly. Uh, there, the church inviter that uh, my mother and father-in-law had pastored uh, for 15 years there, and uh, they'd been in revival, and Ashlyn was there last night in that service, and uh, I thank God. I'm glad to report that last night she was baptized in the Holy Ghost, amen, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, hallelujah, and uh, she called her mama, and I was sent there next to Carolyn and and uh, she called her mama and I saw Carolyn set up in the chair and she said what's wrong what's wrong because on the other end Ashlyn was just a boo-hooing and a crying and she said mama and Carolyn said what's wrong what is it you know we thought something was broke and I thought oh God forbid I hope she's not throwing up somewhere 
Amen. And she said, no, Mama, it's, it's not a bad cry. It's, it's something good. She said, well, what happened? She said, God filled me with the Holy Ghost tonight. And, uh, and so we were rejoicing with her there on the other end of the phone. And, and uh, she was soon to be making her way home from that service. And, and, uh, and I was uh, asking her about the service. And she said, uh, uh, and she was telling us about the message. And she said, the message wasn't even on the Holy Ghost. Said the message was on fighting for your marriage. <laughs> and she said, she said, I, uh, she said, uh, uh, she said, but I went down there and, and uh, she said I was praying in the altar and she said I was praying there with Aunt Shay Shay and Uncle Sam and and she said and then uh, Sister Sonny came by and was talking to me and and just uh, uh, just praying with me and and encouraging me and she said they began to sing I surrender all and she said. Uh, she said, I was there worshiping, and she said, uh, she said, the Lord was moving on me, and she said, I was trying to say, I love you, Jesus, in English, and she said, Daddy, it sounded like Spanish when it came out of my mouth. She said, and I just began to worship and speak in tongues, and, and uh, I mean, that girl was flying a thousand, ten thousand foot in the air last night, and she's still been talking a hundred miles an hour today, amen, and uh, I just thank God, hallelujah, this this is for your sons, come on somebody, and for your daughters, hallelujah. I want to tell somebody tonight, I'm glad, I'm glad to say, I'm glad to stand here and testify and say, amen, that not only in my life, oh, but I see it now in my daughter's life and the fact that the promise of the Spirit, hallelujah, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is real and it can be experienced. Oh, and it can be a part of your life. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that it is not designated. It is not for some spiritual elitist. It is not just for men. It is not just for the women. It's just not for the white folks or just the black folks or for the yellow folks or whatever the case might be. Amen. I'm glad that it is for those that would be hungry. It is for those that would be thirsty. It is for those that would be seeking. It is for those that would say, Lord, I want your spirit in my life. Oh, I want it to be at work. The promise, the promise of the spirit, hallelujah. We were talking a couple of weeks back in regards to the promise of the spirit and I wanted to start right here with this for the simple fact that if I could lay a, 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 a base, a foundation, a starting point because I want you to understand in regards to the fact I have heard in different pulpits and I have seen it in and as you have as well throughout churches and, and different places and you can say denominations or whatever the case might be as there are some that would dismiss the power of the Spirit. They will dismiss the person, the blessed third person of the Trinity, the Godhead, the Holy Ghost. There are some that will vehemently deny His work, that will, that will dispute His power. There are some that will dismiss and say, I've heard 
him say. I've heard it preached and said. Oh, that is something that went away with the early church. After the disciples and after that, all that, it was over and done with. And I, I thought of the importance, amen, that we go back and take a look. We come to find, amen, that it's not just an Acts chapter 2 a, a, a moment. It's not just an Acts chapter. That was when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself and we'll be uh, preaching from some of those things. Oh, but Brother Torbert, as we look back even into the Old Testament, as we look back and see the work of the Holy Ghost, amen, amongst his people in that time, but Joel began to prophesy by way of the unction of that spirit, by way of the anointing of that spirit. Hallelujah. He began to say by the way and the will and the word of God that this is the promise. This is what I will do. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I will do this. I will. He goes on to tell us who is the qualified. He goes on to tell us who this is made available for. He goes on to let us know Hallelujah, that this is something that we could look steadfastly to. And we find on the day of Pentecost that Peter stood and he began to reiterate the words of Joel as he stood that day and preached. And not only did he preach all about what Joel said, but he first told them. He said, I want you to understand of the fact that this is, he began to preach to them Christ crucified who was buried but also resurrected and he began to declare this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words he said I want you to look around because the Bible says they were in wonder and amazement. They couldn't believe what was taking place in that upper room but he said this is a promise. This was the promise of the father. This is what he said that he would do and we had established the fact Oh, a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago, amen, of the fact that the promise tied to that of the Spirit is that when we look and see in the Word of God that what God says He will do, that you must understand there is no other option. There is no wavering. There is no loophole. There is no power in hell bad enough. There's not a devil mean enough. There's not a demon nasty enough. There's not a tyrant who could try to kill us all out. There's not a law that can legislate it away. I'm telling you from China to Europe to North America and South America the promise is alive and well. The Spirit of God is on the move. This is that. Hallelujah. This is that. It's the promise. I want you to understand that the promises of God, we find that they are often under attack and under the scrutiny, not only of fleshly, worldly-minded people with opinions, and they base those opinions, and they vomit out their ideology and their teachings because they have no experience with God. They have, many of them, not even have a relationship with God, and they will try to discredit, they will try to dismay, they will try to cause chaos and confusion, they will try to belittle 
I will tell you right now, there used to be a time in our nation's history, right here in the United States of America, when we find over in the West Coast in California, where there was a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost that happened in the Azusa Street Revival. William Seymour, that one-eyed African-American, that black evangelist, that pastor that was there. He was there, and I say one-eyed because he was blind in one eye, had side in the other. And it was said that William Seymour, when the start of the Azusa Street Revival began to happen, it happened by way of an old-fashioned prayer meeting. He would begin to get in there in that little place and begin to pray. And it is historical fact that before the uh, revival ever broke out, William Seymour didn't even have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but he was seeking after it. What was he doing? He was pursuing the promise. He was pursuing after something the Word of God had already said that he would do, something that had already come in its dispensation. And he said, and I want you to know that I'm just reciting history to you. It's a fact he wasn't a a, a super educated man. There wasn't a big old group of people. It began to birth and it began to grow. But it started, Brother Tillotson, with a handful of folks that said, All I know is I'm hungry. All I know there's got to be more. All I know is God said that he would do it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to pursue. We're going to press. And God opened the windows of heaven upon the hearts of the hungry and revival was birthed out of the corridor of that little place on Azusa Street. I want you to understand, did you know that there was a point in time in our nation's history that there would people who would make signs. They would paint it on signs and pickets and posters and they would have hateful messages. We don't want you tongue talkers, holy rollers in our town. We were labeled crazy. We were called demonic. We were told that we were insane. We were not proper enough. We were not educated. We were not this and we were not that. I want you to know that hell has done everything it can throughout the corridors of time to try to dismantle and discredit, amen, the promise of the Father. Oh, but can I say tonight and can I proudly declare, first of all, I want to say again and you You'll probably hear me say it many times in this sermon series. I am so glad. I am unapologetically, unashamedly Pentecostal. And sirs and ma'ams, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this is not, oh, there are some say, well, what is Victory Temple? Some say, well, is it in the assemblies? No, it's not an assembly God church. Well, is it a non-denominational? Well, I'll just tell you this. This is about, because I had folks uh, that would ask some of those questions, said, what exactly is Victory Temple? And and I often tell them this, as far as a denomination, we are an independent church. But I say we are an independent Pentecostal church. Hallelujah. I 
want everybody to know. I want it to be made well aware. Hallelujah that we are a place that we believe in the promise of the Father. That we are the place that we believe and not only believe it but we preach it. And we want him. Notice what I said. It is him. Not an it. Not a thing. Not a feeling. It is he the Holy Ghost that he is welcome to walk the aisles of this church. He is welcome to move when we sing. He is welcome to move when we preach. He is welcome to move when we pray in an altar. He is welcome to move when we're taking up an offering. He is welcome to move. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter. From the sound booth to the bathroom to the pulpit, we want him in the house. It's the promise. It's Pentecostal power. And it is an experience. Understand. Understand it's an experience. That promise is an experience that we might partake in. I want you to know that in all of the things that the enemy would try to do. I said briefly, and it was at the end of the first message that I preached on this. When we talk about a promise... The definition here says it is a declaration assuring that one will or will not do something, a vow, a covenant. It is an indication of something favorable to come. Expectation, an indication of future excellence or success. I want to tell you tonight, friends... Is that when we have been talking about this, I said it already and I'll say it again. I'm thankful. I'm, I'm a proud papa. Let me tell you something. I wouldn't care if she had got a, a, a full ride scholarship to a university somewhere or, or if uh, somebody gave her a brand new car. Sister Brenda, I'll tell you right now what this daddy and mama was praying a long time ago. I said, God, I want her full of the Holy Ghost before she ever gets a driver's license. I want her full of the Holy Ghost before there's any boy start snooping around. I want her full of the Holy Ghost wherever she puts her hand to ever start a job. I want, her, I want her full of the Holy Ghost. But I will say this. It is not about a check mark and say, well, she spoke in tongues. Or Sister Anna, you spoke in tongues. Or Brother Eddie, you spoke in tongues. Oh, it's not about checking a box and oh, we're tongue talkers. But I'm telling you, the promise is something that will cause you, amen, to live a life of victory over sin, power over the enemy, to be able to conquer the desires of your flesh and self that wants to rule and reign in your body. I want to tell you tonight, the promise, it'll help you when you're confronting hell and you're staring down demons. Oh, Brother Eddie, the promise, he'll show up. The Holy Ghost will well up within you. Amen. When old things try knocking on your door. Somebody hear what I'm
I'm saying tonight. Oh, did you know the Holy Ghost will help you to walk in godliness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness, charitableness, kindness. Oh, he'll begin to help you to produce the fruits of the Spirit in your life. What are you trying to say, preacher? We are not Pentecostals only on a Sunday or a Wednesday. But brother Chad, I'm full of the Spirit and I'm going to walk in the promise. 365, 24-7, it's a promise for you and I. Hallelujah. An enduring promise. Oh, I want you to understand. I want you to notice that Joel not only prophesies about the promise that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now the term all flesh would begin to give us the indication that all of humanity is available for this. But I want you to take note that he says, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. I want you to notice what is done here. This is not only the very noticeable promise to the fact that for our children, for the young, for the old. But also I want you to understand that this speaks to generations. This speaks to the concept of time. This speaks to us. How do I know? Besides personal experience, how do I know that the promise of the Father, that the Holy Ghost is still available, that the power of God is still readily and mightily available and, 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 and effective in the time in which we live today? Because Joel makes prophecy of the fact that this is generational when the term sons and daughters... And young men and old men are used. In scripture I want you to understand. It is speaking in generational terms. It is speaking of the fact that where I am. I'm 43 years old. At 40 I've reached. I've lived in a generation. And now in my generation. Sister Brenda now I have seen. I have seen the promise. I have seen it reach down and began to infiltrate the life of my child. And it speaks of a generation. Sister Laura, you've seen it at work in your child. Sister Tracy, you see it at work in your children. Brother Torbert, you see it at work in your son. Oh, I want you to understand. It is a great promise. Isn't it something because you notice that every generation, every mom and dad, every, every adult, we work can we labor and if you were to ask any of the adults any of the parents you do certain things because you want certain things to be better for your children you want certain things to be better for those that are going to follow after you and this is what God is saying in regards to the promise in regards to the person of the Holy Ghost the power of the Holy Ghost the purpose of the Holy Ghost. I am so glad that I do not have to only read about the power of God in the pages of the Bible or in a history book and it ended at a certain time. 
I have heard people talk about the good old days. I have heard about the great healing revivals in the 50s. I have seen the prominence and the growth and the swell of Pentecost that began to happen in the 80s. I saw and, and I see videos and, and I've watched. I've seen Sister Brenda. I've seen footage and I've seen messages and camp meetings. Amen. Of Brother B.H. Clinton and, and different men of God that carried a Pentecostal mantle. We spent several years of ministry in Livingston, Texas. Still to this day, I hear people talk about the Polk County camp meetings that happened up there in Livingston, Texas. When Brother Clinton and preached, amen, under those tents. Oh, and people would say, my whole family came to know. God or some would testify of healings or some would testify of the supernatural things. Brother Torbert testified. You heard him say about his mama and his grandmother and his family Oh, that came and got saved under a tent revival where the power of God was being poured out. There are some that you've got testimonies of what God did. There's things I've seen in my lifetime and I thank God for them. Oh, but what I love about the promise is it is enduring. It is everlasting. Thank God for those days. Oh, but can I tell you, some of you might think I'm just a little bit flighty. You might think I'm a little high-minded, but I still believe the best is yet to come. Oh, I still believe. Oh, but Brother Jacob, the day is wicked. The times are wretched. Hell is fighting and the devil is mad. Absolutely. So what a better time to go ahead and have church. What a better time to go ahead and have revival. What a better time to go ahead and preach. What a better time to go ahead. Take them babies to camp. Put them in a youth service. Take them to a youth uh, a retreat. Get them in the altars because it's generational. It lasts. It endures. It continues on. A legacy. A heritage. And it's not something that we just have to point ourselves to an old dusty book somewhere and blow the dust off the covers and say, well, isn't that wonderful what they had? But it can be experienced for us today, tonight. Amen. It is enduring. This speaks of generational, generational promise. A generational, it is something that keeps, it endures. You see, the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Spirit endures because you must understand, you and I, we are called to endure. What do you mean, Brother Jake? Well, the Bible says, Sister Faye, that he that endures to the end shall be saved. When we hear the word endure, I can promise you it does not conjure up sunshine and rainbows. When you hear the term endure, normally that's something somebody says when things are difficult. When, th when times are testing, when things are rough, when the pressure's on, when there's more questions than it seems to be answers, where it seems like there's so much pressure even in your own family, 
I was talking with Brother Torbert a couple weeks ago in excitement in regards to what God is doing with them and through them and the church there in Fort Worth. And we were just talking and he and I both came to the conclusion. I said, here's what I do know. Hey man, we've been involved in pastoral ministry since 2005. So nearly 20 years we've been involved in pastoral ministry. And I can tell you, I know I'm going to sound like an old timer when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's true. Pastoring 15 years ago is different than what it is pastoring today. It is. It's a whole lot different. 15 years ago, I wasn't greeted with a pandemic right out of the gate of taking on a church. 15 years ago, we weren't preaching to empty empty pews and cameras and live stream. That's, that, wasn't even, that wasn't even thought of. Fifteen years ago, church attendance was a whole lot different than what it is now. Fifteen years ago, people had a different idea and passion for ministry than what they do now. You say, well, you know, be careful, Jake. Don't you beat up on us. We're here. It's Wednesday night. You ought to love us, hug us, pass out roses. I'm thankful for you. But I can say this in regards to all of us. We're busier than we've ever been. We're more distracted than we've ever been distracted. We find more reasons to not be engaged or participate than we ever have before. Amen, Brother Jake. All right. Just make sure you're with me. We find as to where the, the, there are things. Did you know that? I know it was abounding. I know it was very real 15 years ago. But, but I can tell you that we didn't, have, we didn't have in our public schools at that time, we, we, you, or at least you didn't hear of it. It wasn't national news and it wasn't legislation to let five-year-old boys decide if they was girls. Or girls decide if they was going to be boys. Or... I kid you not, I read an article yesterday. My stomach finally came to an ease, and when I read the article, I thought, I'm going to upchuck all over again. Read an article, a man in Japan spent $15,000 to transform himself. You saw it, Brother Udi's going, mm-hmm, he saw it. To transform himself into a dog. I kid you not, he's got a full-blown Fido outfit. And he was at a local dog park. And the, and the, I, 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 you can't make this stuff up. I'm telling you. And the headline said, Japanese man who spent $15,000 to become a dog finds it hard to make friends at the dog park. I tell you what the problem is, even man's best friend knows the difference of an idiot dressed up in an outfit. Not even a dog wants to fool with that mess. You hear what I'm saying? And when since such nonsense is making national news, when I was pastoring 15 years ago, Brother T, I never saw anything like that. Come on here. They weren't, we didn't have parents trying to sue school districts to put 
litter boxes in the school. We, we, we didn't, we, I, I, heard, I heard about, I, I'm just, just to keep it anonymous, I heard about a young man right here locally. That they, the ones that identify as animals, they want to be called furries. I'm telling you the truth. Look it up. I'm not, I'm not trying to get a laugh. I'm telling you the truth. They want to be called furries. And there were girls in school, they would put on cat ears and have little, little deals for paws. And they go around and they meow. And there was a boy walking down the hall and he turned and he barked at her. And she got all offended. They called the parents in of the boy. Said, you can't be doing that. That boy said, if they want to identify as a cat when she was walking by me, I identified as a dog and wanted to bark at her. Come on here. What are you trying to say, Brother Jake? What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you is the fact that things are a lot different. Listen, it's the same old devil, but he will manifest himself in ways that's yet to be seen. There will be all kinds of foolishness, all kinds of blatant sin. There will be all kinds of filth, all kinds of disgust, all kinds of things. Did you know Oh, that even, even uh, you go back 15, 20 years ago, uh, that uh, we didn't have access to the world in the palm of our hand. Now, as a result of internet access, they now say that children as young as 8 years old, over 80% of them is the statistic, will be introduced to pornography by the age of 8 years old because it's so readily accessible and it's in the palm of their hand. It's on their iPads. It pops up in advertisements and games. We have folks, there used to be a time you'd have to go down across the tracks in a shadow, dark alley in a creepy store, ran by a pervert to get a hold of such junk. Now you can pull it up in an instant on your phone. Friends, I'm telling you, it's filth, it's mess, it's sin. And what are we going to do? We need the power and the promise of the Holy Ghost. The devil's the same. His plan's the same. His methods, they might change. His, uh, his manifestation might change. But I'll tell you something else that remains the same. It is still not by your might, not by your power, but by His Spirit. And God today, His promise, it is enduring. Brother Jake, what are we going to do with such nonsense in the world? And I won't even get on the rabbit trail of nonsense in the church. Things that are done under the guise of spirituality. Things that are done under the guise of ministry. Things that are done under the guise of preaching. Under the guise of worship. Under the guise of programs. You hear what I'm saying? We got mess all around us. But we come to find the words of Christ. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. The comforter shall come. I want to tell you, church. He said, Brother Jake, you know, you guys, you preach a lot about the baptism of the Spirit. You preach a lot about the need of the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you why. Because when you start sitting across the desk from families like I do. 
and their lives are a mess, and their kids are a mess, and their home's a mess, and their mind and their emotions, and they're eat up with bitterness, and they're angry, and they're frustrated, and the devil's got them tore all kinds of ways, because I'm going to tell you at the end of the day, Brother Eli, your battle might look different than Michael's, and Michael's might look different than this Michael. And it might look different than Amber's, and it might look different than Jennifer's. But I want to still remind the church, the enemy comes for nothing else but to kill, steal, and destroy. But Sister Kelly, the Word of God reminds us also that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. I believe that standard to be the Holy Ghost. I believe that to be the power of God. Friends, we must, we have to walk in the Spirit. We have to be hungry for the Spirit of God. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, and this might sound controversial. This might be argued by some folks who don't believe in the baptism of the Spirit, who think it's old, think it's dismissed, whatever the case might be. And that's okay. They can have their opinions. I know I'm right. But what, what I want to say is this, is the fact that, yes, we preach it, we talk about it, we emphasize it, and if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. I don't do it to make anybody feel uncomfortable. I don't preach it or say it in such a way that even if you have not received the baptism to make you feel bad. I don't want that for you. And I can assure you, I don't think God wants that for you. To feel bad. But should you feel quickened. Convicted. Dealt with. Should you feel the draw. The hunger. Should there be expectation. Should there be participation. Should there be a desire for the spirit of God. I'm going to tell you something. If you want the promise. If you want his power to continue to resonate within this building. If you want it to continue to permeate in your life, we had better keep a heart's desire for the Spirit of God. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. And I'm not talking about being, being weird. You know those, what they call them cereal churches, don't you? You've heard me say it before. A cereal church full of flakes, nuts, and fruits. Right? I'm not asking you to be a cereal church. I don't want us to come in and we're a whole bunch of weirdos walking around in here. Doing stuff saying, oh, I, I'm anointed to do, do. No, you're not. Amen. And as long as I have a right mind and a leadership of the Holy Ghost, anybody comes in trying to do certain things like that, we'll set them down. We'll take care of it. But what I am saying is. Is that we must get back to the point and the place that we recognize the need of the promise. We have to understand that we had better protect it at all cost. Your children and my children, we need the promise. I as a man, Eli, I need the Holy Ghost at work in my life. Devil don't care if I've got the title of a pastor. Could care less. As a man, I need the Holy Ghost at work in my life. 
just like you as a man need the work of the Holy Ghost in your life. Sister Bamba, you need to be full of the Spirit. Just like Sister Brenda needs to be full of the Spirit. When we start looking around and start saying, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not, that's not really that necessary. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I get uncomfortable because if I'm full of the Spirit, do I got to run like Eddie? Do I got to shout like Brother Jake? Do I got to spit five pews back and jump on, uh, jump on the altars and do all this stuff? Do I got to shake and do I got to fall out in the spirit? Do I got to do all of these things? Let me tell you something. When we just seek after the, that, those are expressions, a response to the spirit of God. Don't let those things be something that keep you from pursuing that say well that, that's just not my I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to say this be careful of the fact too because of, of, the, of, the, of the nature of human pride be careful be careful of your pride be careful of your dignity right be careful of those things because the last time I checked the book, Brother Keith, the Word of God said that a great fall accompanies a prideful spirit. And I'll tell you something else. If pride wins, if your ego wins the battle, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord will not always strive with a man. He won't. He'll deal. He'll draw you convict. Can I tell you that maybe that uncomfortable feeling that you might have is not necessarily your uncomfortableness with emotions. Maybe it's just the fact of being uncomfortable with, with, the, with, the, with the instance of that God is trying to deal with you, to draw you. It's an enduring promise. I'm not going to preach to you that if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll never have a bad day in your life. I've had plenty of bad days. I've had plenty of hard times. I've had plenty of things I didn't understand. Oh, but Brother Keith, I'm so thankful that I had the power of the Spirit to help me through those things. To give me some perspective. To lead me. To guide me. To challenge me. To convict me. So I want you to understand tonight. Sister Carolyn if you'll come. This promise is enduring. It is enduring. It will last. It reaches to where you are. It has stood the test of time. The Holy Ghost does. Programs have come and gone. I've seen some churches. And I'm. I'm not trying to sound critical by any stretch I've seen some local churches every couple of years they're restructuring, remodeling everything, redoing everything because it's to promote the next program promote the next thing promote the next idea I saw an interview with a pastor I won't forget it it's 
at the beginning of this year. He was in his church, and it was just a little video interview, really, at just for like their Facebook, their, their area, their community. And the pastor was there, and I will never forget how humble he seemed. He legitimately seemed broken. You know what he was asking for, what he was hoping to find? Number one, they had brought chairs back into the sanctuary, and he had them set up in sections and rows. He said, we don't have a whole lot of money to just go by or to have somebody build. He said, but if there's anybody that you're getting rid of altars, he said, we want altars back. He said, we've spent, I forget how many years, he said, we've spent the last how many years, he said, we had our coffee table set up in here. He said, we had different things and we had different stuff. And what happened was, is they went through that pandemic like a lot of other churches and they saw some stuff and they experienced some stuff and come to realize that all the things that they were teaching and saying didn't keep people from dying and it didn't keep people from going through hard times or losing their jobs or anything of that nature. And their folks got hungry and desperate to get back to the way things used to be. The basics. And I thought, man, in a time where it seems that some people, they're changing programs and they're changing setups and all of these things, like some folks change their socks. Here was a man, he said, we've... He said, we're, we're looking for anything. As if anybody's got it, he said, we want to put him back in the church. Want to put him back in the church. Because there comes a point in time in your life, you'll stand and look around, and you'll realize and say, there's nothing that can do for me what a move of God can do. There's nothing that can do for me what the Holy Ghost can do. I know I'm looking at some people. You grew up in these pews. You cut your teeth on the back of these pews. You grew up in that same nursery you sat in with your boy, Sister Lindy. Tracy, Laura, Carmen, Chad. Some of y'all been in, been, been in here. And you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be real with you. Y'all the ones, you got to be careful. You got to be careful of the fact because you can grow up around it and you can see it. And there's some things you saw made you mad and some things you saw and thought that was nuts, that was crazy. Why'd they do that? Why'd they make us do this? Why do we have to? We was in church, you know, eight days a week and there was only seven days. We had to be at everything. And some folks, they get cantankerous. And then you start growing up and you start thinking that you can do it without him. And then you start looking around and life hits you and life humbles you. And you're up against some things and you realize, you begin to realize very quickly. Maybe they weren't so crazy. Maybe it wasn't that they was being so hard. They was just trying to do the best that they could to remind us of the importance of what we had. Because it's an enduring promise. It's an enduring promise. With heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. Father...
I thank you for every heart and every life. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. I'm thankful, Lord, for your power. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Spirit. And, Lord, I'm glad that it's enduring. It reaches to every generation. It crosses timelines. It moves beyond continents and man-made barriers. And, Lord, man's ideals and man's lofty opinion and education. But, Lord, tonight I know that in this house there's families and they're fighting real devils. They're up against real situations. Their minds are attacked. There are things, Lord, that we're battling daily. Areas of our flesh we need victory over. Things in our spirits that have to get right. And Lord, thus we know and recognize and realize we need the Holy Ghost. We need the Spirit of God. We want the promise. Lord, it's enduring. And not only do we see our need of it, but Lord, we want our children to experience it. We want our children to have it. To have the promise. To have that experience. To have the power to be able to walk. To be able to live for you in this day and in this age. Lord, you knew very well what the hearts of man would be like in 2023. But your power is strong enough, it suffices, and it'll keep us even in a wicked day and a wicked generation. Tonight, if you're here and you'd say, Pastor, more than anything, I want my life to be full of the Spirit. I want my mind, my heart to be led by the Spirit. I want Him in my home, and He will be in my home as He lives in me and works through me. Some of you tonight that would say, Pastor, we will agree with you and we will bind together and we're going to do our best. We are fighting. We are contending that the power of Pentecost, the person of the Holy Ghost, has full reign and liberty at Victory Temple. And Lord, that the Spirit of God be made real in every life. Lord, let us be hungry. Let us be thirsty. Let us desire. If that's us tonight, can we come find ourselves a place to pray? Before we leave this house, can we come and just seek the Lord? Would you come tonight? Maybe this evening the Lord contending with you. Maybe tonight some things the Spirit of God dealing with you about. Maybe some things tonight should say, Brother Jacob, I recognize and realize I need, I need the Spirit of God at, at work in my life. There's things, there's things I need conquered in my flesh. There's thoughts and opinions and conversations. And Lord, there's attitudes and things that I need the Spirit of God to get a hold Oh, there's some things, Lord, I'm looking. There's promises of heaven that I want my family. I want my children and grandchildren. I want my nieces and nephews. I, I want my friends and family members. I want them to experience the power of God. Oh, we're going to contend and we're going to press and we're going to pursue the Spirit. Lord, help us tonight. Help us tonight, Lord. Challenge our hearts, oh God. Challenge our hearts, oh God. Not just to say that we've spoken tongues. Oh, but God, that we're led by the Spirit. We're walking in the Spirit. 
that in every day of our lives, you're leading and dealing and guiding, convicting, stirring, revealing Christ in us and through us. Lord, we thank you and praise you.